Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Crowd coming alive here at MetLife Stadium. Two backs in the backfield for Foles out of the gun. Two receivers left ball in the near hash. Shotgun snap for Foles. Here comes the blitz. Hanging in there. Great protection. Going to take a shot deep downfield around the 20-yard line. Double coverage, and it is a catch for Paris Campbell. Climbed the ladder and went up and got it at the 14-yard line. Colts by a field goal. Ball in the far hash. Third and goal from the six. Jones looking left, scanning. Now he's going to take off and run. Angling to the right side. Fires up field into the end zone. That's caught a touchdown, and it's Richie James who caught the football on both knees. A six-yard touchdown pass, and it's Jones to James, and the Giants lead 6-3 to three over the Colts. Empty set now for Jones. Three receivers go to the right side, two go left, on the far hash. Jones by himself, backing the pass, fires quickly at the goal line. Hodgins makes the catch, and then he dives across the goal line for a touchdown. Foles goes out of the gun, tight in left is Mo Alley-Cox. Foles to throw, looking right, fires, it's picked off. Landon Collins down the far sideline. He's at the 20. He's at the 10, 5, and he scores a defensive pick six, Landon Collins. 12 minutes to go, fourth quarter. Play action rolling left is Jones. Turning the corner. He's at the 5. He's going to stretch it out and dives for the pylon. No signal yet. There it is. A touchdown. Another rushing gallop for Daniel Jones, his second today. And our final score here at MetLife Stadium on New Year's Day 2023. It's the Giants 38 and the Colts 10. Hey, welcome in. And that was uh, yet another long line of horrible Colts performances, embarrassing Colts performances. And you got that yesterday in that Week 17 matchup on the road at MetLife Stadium against the Giants. 38-10 is the final. And uh, there you go. Colts 4-11-1 and and on the season. Giants punch their ticket in the NFC to go to the postseason. And we've got a lot to talk about today. Now, I will tell you this. There's going to be more to talk about coming up next Monday because there's going to be a lot happening. But we've got a ton to talk about today regarding yesterday, regarding the Jeff Saturday comments. About an hour ago, he met with the media and uh, clearly was not happy about a couple of things. 
Um, one was, and we'll get to the whole Kayvon Thibodeau celebration after the sack of Nick Foles and then the injury to Nick Foles and Foles laying there writhing in pain and Thibodeau doing the snow angels. I'll be completely honest with you. I, I didn't think that at that moment he knew Foles was injured. Now, we'll also tell you this. When he went to the sideline and did kind of the I put him to sleep stuff, it didn't act like he much cared. At that moment when he did the snow angel stuff, I didn't think anything about it because anytime somebody cuts one on defense and everybody's got to celebrate it out there nowadays. So it didn't surprise me whatsoever. But when he went to the sideline and he was caught doing that put him to sleep type of crap, that's what I thought was stupid. Now, I'm not so much worried about that aspect of it. What I'm worried about or did in thinking that this team is even more broken than what you think with a 4-11-1 record at this point is the fact that not anybody. If you want to talk about offensive linemen, you talk about anybody out on the field at that time. Not anybody went up and did anything about it. I'm not suggesting they're starting a brawl or anything like that, but don't you have to get a little bit angry? Now, granted, that also should have been a penalty, and I know what you're going to say. Well, what you're doing is you're turning it into flag football. I didn't turn it into anything. The NFL has. The rules have. And the rules would state when you come down on a quarterback full brunt, full weight like that, that it is most of the time, as we have seen this season, roughing the passer. And let's face it, the reason why it wasn't roughing the passer is because it was Nick Foles and because the Colts stink. That's the reason why it wasn't. If that were Tom Brady, that's roughing the passer. If that's a good quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks of today, that's going to be roughing the passer. But it wasn't. I'm not even so much mad about the celebration part. The putting to sleep on the sideline junk is stupid. And we'll get to Jeff Saturday's comments in a second. But the thing that struck me was nobody cared. Nobody cared about their teammate. Nobody cared about the lack of protection and the celebrating in what most of the people perceived as celebrating at the expense of Nick Foles. That's what everybody should care about. Because that is this team in a nutshell. That is this team that Chris Ballard has built in a nutshell. That's what it is. Especially along that offensive line. You know, Ryan Kelly, after the game, called it horse bleep or something like that. Sure it was. But what happened during the game? Nothing. I'll give a shout out. I don't even know if this was a point that Okereke was trying to make when he got that that roughing call, that personal foul call, if you will, with Daniel Jones running out of the pocket, down the field with that forearm to the head and neck area. I would like to think, even though I have no evidence of it, but I would like to think that maybe that was Bobby Okereke trying to get one back for his stinky team. Probably not. Probably not at all. But I'd like to think that. I would like to think that maybe somebody on that team cared an ounce about what took place to maybe want a little bit of payback, even though nobody asked for it in the moment. This team is broken. This team is fractured. 
we knew this going in, but even more so now in a game like that and in a season like this where you have basically no resistance whatsoever, that told you all you need to know. And I know you get tired of it because you get tired of hearing me say it, but it all starts, really it starts at the top. It starts with Jim Irsay. But certainly that trickle-down effect goes to the general manager that put all these pieces together. All these non-combative, all these least resistive players together in a season that's been absolutely haywire and absolutely rotten with play on the field and decisions being made. That is where we are right now. That is the product that you get. And that is why this offseason... I don't want to hear anything about well, how much money you owe Chris Ballard. I don't want to hear anything about how much money you're paying Frank Reich and how much money you're going to have to pay the next head coach. I don't want to hear any of it because we, in the good times, we hear, well, it doesn't matter. Now, the owner's going to pay for anything. The, the owner just wants to win. The owner's going to pay that money. The owner just wants to win. So that's what I want to see. I don't want to hear any of this other stuff. All right, you got the money, then deal with it. You know this team is shattered. You know that with Chris Ballard, the ceiling has been hit. You know what this build has caused. So now coming up after next week is going to be time to do something about it. Highly disappointed if there's nothing done. What we saw yesterday is this team in a nutshell. And I'm not even talking about the losing of this team in a nutshell. I'm just talking about this team put together. And I talk about, you know, the, the no resistance, the least resistance. That's what this team is right now. And I've said all along that it's going to take a little bit to put this thing back together. And what this does, what yesterday has told you, the week prior, it has told you all of this. Indeed, that is correct. This team is going to be nowhere near. Starts with the owner. Starts with Chris Ballard. You've already eliminated the head coach. You have an interim head coach, and I don't know where that's going. I've said this. I can't imagine being able to sell Jeff Saturday in the capacity as a head coach moving forward with the body of work. But again, that was the misguided choice that Jim Irsay made when Logically, a lot of this was going to go haywire anyway. People say, well, they were close or at 500 or whatever when they made that change. Um, whatever. This team, we've seen it. This team is not any good. They completely misevaluated Matt Ryan. Maybe on a different team with an offensive line, but I still doubt it. But he was misevaluated. They didn't have the quarterback at all to do what they're trying to do. And I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it with Ryan. We've seen it with Foles. We've seen it with Ellinger. We're going to see it again with Ellinger. They don't have it. And I don't know, other than Jim Irsay saying, we've got to get somebody else. There's no way in the world year two with Carson Wentz is going to happen. Other being being forced into that, who in the world looked at Matt Ryan and said, yeah, this is going to fit with this team? How can you be so off? I can understand how we might. I can understand it, even if you cover the team every day. 
Maybe you thought at least they're going to win nine games or at least they're going to win ten games. But my question would be, and this is where it matters. I mean, everybody always wants to turn something into, you know, nowadays we live in this world where everything is going to be the media's fault. Well, you know what? The media completely misevaluated this Colts team. I didn't pick him to win 13 or 14 games like anybody else, but I can tell you this, I did not at all envision a give-up crew like we have seen here. A crew that's just ready to walk, that's ready to go, ready to go hibernate, be done with it. I did envision a little bit more pride, and I know it's going to be tough to have that, that pride when you factor in a quarterback that can't do, or really, in this case, quarterbacks that can't do anything. But how in the world, forget about the media standpoint for a moment, how in the world did those that get paid a lot of money to evaluate this team have such a deeply rooted belief in this team this year? What's funny about this is it wouldn't take much. It's going to be winner take all. I guess Jacksonville still has an opportunity even if they lose, but let's just call it what it is for the AFC South, a winner take all game coming up in week number 18. But how did the Colts themselves completely misevaluate this team? Who cares what I think? Who cares what anybody, even on a daily basis if you cover them, who cares what they think? You've got to care and your disposable income in watching this team hinges on the decision-making of those within this organization that have completely gaffed it. How do you view that? How do you see that? I mean, not anywhere near. Think about this for a moment. In a season in which the AFC South may be at its highest level of punchline, highest level of joke, and you can't get close, what does that tell you about where this organization is right now? I mean, you've already, people say, well, you got to blow it up. Well, essentially, they have blown it up, but you got to go all the way with this thing. I don't blame you. And nobody going to buy this thing next year. Nobody at all. And you have every right not to buy it from what you have seen. But you know what? This season has, has given us, right? It's, it's given us a clear vision of what this team and by what we've been told this team is going to be. What it isn't. It's given us every reason to look at this and go, wow, you have to have an evaluation from top to bottom on this bad boy right now. The easy part about it is going out and drafting a quarterback. We'll get into that coming up in a minute, too. It's funny. I get a lot of different stuff over the weekend, and one regarding C.J. Stroud was how the Colts don't need a running quarterback. I'll be honest with you, on Saturday night's the first time I ever seen him take off and run that much. I think he ran it like 12 times. It was out of necessity. Watching him play on Saturday night, I thought, wow, this is exactly what is necessary, especially with this team. He needs to be able to run around and try to make a play and extend to play with the way this team looks. 
but not a running quarterback. He's not a running quarterback. And I certainly will tell you this, and I, I've said before, I have not been fair regarding Will Levis. Will Levis may turn out to be Joe Montana, but I haven't seen that at all. But I have seen Stroud, and I saw Stroud against, I wouldn't say as good, not even close to as good a defense in Georgia that you saw a year ago, but that is a talented group that more than likely is going to win another national championship. That's what I need to see. That's what we all need to see at that quarterback position. That is, in fact, what this Colts team needs moving forward. I don't need to guess on Will Levis. There's no doubt. I think Young is really good, too, but Young's not going to make it there. I don't care whoever's running this team. Whoever's running this team is going to make sure this team gets Stroud, goes the Stroud direction. At least as I sit here right now, and I don't know what's going to change my mindset from that. I mean, I don't know if the combine is going to change it all of a sudden. And as I've mentioned, I have been, I'm sure, decidedly unfair on Will Levis. But Stroud, for this Colts team, basically showed me all I needed to know. He, against Georgia, had all the assets that certainly have been necessary this season that no Colts quarterback have. Strong arm, maneuverability, escapability, leadership of a team, all of that. I really, it, it took one night to watch all of that. At least that's where I stand right now. I'm sure we're going to dive into that coming up a little bit later on. Hey, we're live at the Buffalo Wild Wings. It's a blue Monday. We are in Columbus, Indiana today. Uh, actually, I think that's 46 out here. I think it's called John Moore Pike or something like that. But hey, Brown County, Bartholomew County, I would love to see you. Get the Boilermakers playing right now, but the Citrus Bowl probably doesn't have a lot of Boilermaker fans watching it any longer. 35 to nothing as they are playing in the second half. Again, that game is in the third quarter, in fact. 35 nothing LSU over Purdue. A lot of people have said, hey, this looks like the varsity versus the JV. And you kind of knew with all that was gone from Purdue. And it may have gone down this direction anyway. But I think a lot of Boilermaker fans had decided to expect something like this. 35 to nothing, third quarter score. Boilermakers down to the LSU Tigers. But I would love to see you out here. It is a great Monday just to come, watch a lot of football, have the great food here at Buffalo Wild Wings, an ice cold Bud Light, too. And we are easy to find. And for a lot of you that have not been given the opportunity to hang out with us before, especially if you live down here around Columbus, around Nashville, this is a good spot for you. Even, yeah, come on up if you want from Seymour. Come on up if you want to from North Vernon. We'd love to have you. Uh, here until 5.30. The reason why 5.30 is the target tonight is because you have the uh, Colts uh, Monday night roundtable live, 5.30 until 6.30. The Pacers roll out the balls coming up later on tonight against the Toronto Raptors. 6.30 your pregame coverage. 7P is the tip. So I am minus 30 minutes for you today. We've got to get the calls going. We've got to get you on board. And we've got to converse about a lot of this stuff as well. Now, I'm going to get back to the Colts, the Jeff Saturday comments in a second. I did want to mention the Pacers. What a great matinee performance by the Pacers. That one-point win over Paul George and the L.A. Clippers on Saturday afternoon. Paul George ends with 45. Miles had 30-plus. Tyrese Halliburton was fantastic as well. And it would be great to see 
The Pacers closed this four-game homestand strong with a great performance against the Toronto Raptors coming up later on tonight. Pascal Siakam is a fantastic player, but this Pacer team has been even more fun to watch. It's now intriguing to think about what was at the beginning of the season, what you thought this Pacer team was going to do, what we thought we were going to look like. It's completely opposite of the Colts. What we thought this Pacer team was going to look like has been much better in the positive. What we thought that Colts team was going to look like has been much worse in the negative. Completely opposite here. I don't know where this is going. I'm assuming that a reevaluation has been at hand with Kevin Pritchard, with Chad Buchanan about the roster. You know, we've talked about Miles a number of times. Certainly, this is all going to hinge on whether or not he's going to get long-termed. That's what that is going to come down to. The Buddy Heald thing is ridiculous still to me. People are still trying to sell me on assets and things of that nature. Right now, go ahead and save the assets conversation for the Colts. They can assets us to death right now. Assets, assets, assets. For this Pacer team, let's think in terms about what we have seen now as we go into 2023, let's think about it in terms of how can they make themselves better? How can they make this fun team that has had strong results even better? How can we, how can we see them getting better? How can Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan make it better? It is okay to be on the fast track. There's nothing wrong with it. The only people that are ever going to tell you that they're cool with a long-term rebuild or young people. I'm 53. I don't know how much more time I have. So I kind of want to see this thing on the fast track here. I'm okay on the fast track. So if they're ahead of schedule, they're ahead of schedule. What is wrong, by the way, with being ahead of schedule? Why do so many people tell you that what they're doing right now is wrong? Winning right now is so wrong, they're supposed to be losing. Is that our mentality? Is that what we're taught here? There's nothing wrong with it. I guess from a Colts standpoint, you kind of are because their play, their better play is to be losing right now. But I can sit here and honestly tell you that I feel good. I feel secure. I feel glad to be able to talk about a team that is ahead of schedule, that is playing well, even if they maybe really lose tonight. And again, a huge test for me is going to be what they look like in Philly coming up, I believe, on Wednesday night, especially for 33. Because Joel Embiid is tearing up the NBA right now. The guy's putting up 40 against everybody. Uh, That has been a consistent issue for Miles Turner. That is going to be a hell of a test coming up on Wednesday. But there is absolutely zero wrong in celebrating a team that's ahead of schedule. And you know what? Organizationally speaking, celebrating a team that's ahead of schedule and then doing something about it to make it better. We've sat around here for a long time without a lot of spirited play and especially spirited results. I'm okay with the direction they're going right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, whether you're talking about Buddy Heald and certainly Miles Turner. That thing's going to have to work its way out regardless. 
got to protect yourself on that. There's no question. Uh, we can talk about that as well at 239-1070. The email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you can see my back right here. I'm going to tell you what. They opened up the door here because it is hot. It's like 62 degrees down here in Bartholomew County. But I am glad to be here. I know you've got the Winter Classic going on. I turned up to see if there was hockey going on. I think the Black Keys are playing at Fenway Park probably during an intermission right now, but you've got the Winter Classic going on. Kind of an odd time because you've got bowl games going on, and I'm on on a Monday because New Year's Day fell on a Sunday, and we're back having to talk about the Colts. Jeff Saturday, not at all happy about what took place after his quarterback got crushed yesterday, but, and rightly so, he's more upset and should be more upset about the lack of response from his team of any kind. That's what was embarrassing. That's what matters. I feel bad for the ribcage of Nick Foles. I feel bad that he is injured. I felt worse because there was absolutely nobody on that field at that moment that gave a crap. That told you exactly what this team is all about right now. And it starts from the absolute top, from the owner to the general manager to the interim head coach. It starts right there. All right, we got a lot of time for it today, too. Again, Buffalo Wild Wings, our location on this Blue Monday. We are off of John Moore Pike. We are in Columbus, which I believe is also known as State Road 46. Great food. Get some ice-cold Bud Light for you as well. We've got stuff to give away, too. We've got tickets to that regular season finale coming up on Sunday. And I believe we have autograph stuff over there as well. No, no autograph stuff, just tickets today. All right. By the way, Sienna Wright, uh, Sienna is a friend of the show in promotions. This is her hometown. Sienna Wright. And I know that a lot of you, can I tell everybody to come on over and see you? Would that be good? Columbus East, right? The Olympians? So if you attended Columbus East, we've got the great Sienna Wright here with us. So she is one of the great former Olympians in the house today in her hometown of Columbus. Is that okay? I can set it up that way for you. <laughs> All right, Colts fans, we'll talk at you coming up on the other side. A quick shout-out to everybody that's with me on Saturday night. The Janvy Takeover on B105.7 started 2023 strong. Outstanding time. Thank you very much for that. Kristen Neri with a great request. It was a fantastic night, and we'll do it again coming up on Saturday night with the JMV Takeover being back. But on the other side, it is a lot about the Colts. And, no, you're going to ask me this. You were all in on Jim Harbaugh. Bring in Jim Harbaugh. And now there's a story out there that Jim Harbaugh would be open to moving from Ann Arbor back to the NFL. And you're all asking me how I feel about it. I trust Jim Harbaugh as a coach. I trust Jim Harbaugh as a coach in the NFL. I know a lot of you are upset about the way that thing happened against TCU, about the clock management, I guess, people were upset about. The in-game situation versus TCU, but Jim Harbaugh has proven himself, and especially at the NFL level, to be a very good coach. I would take it still in a moment. I still don't think it's going to happen. I'd be shocked if it happened, but I would still take it in a moment. There is zero way to me, zero way you can move forward with this general manager and this interim head coach. 
Get back to that coming up on the other side. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you can also catch us, too, on HD Radio. You got the stream. You got the app. We got Devin here as the engineer. And you got us loud and clear on the FMs. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back with your calls next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me, Miles Davis. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome into 2023. We're live in Columbus today on a Bud... Actually, this is a Buffalo Wild Wings Blue Monday with ice cold Bud Light. It's flowing around here, though. Great food. You got sports up here. I know a lot of people came out to watch Purdue and LSU. That has not worked out great for the Boilermakers at this point. Certainly, you got the uh, Winter Classic going on and NHL, if anybody is caring about that. We'll get you updated on some of these scores as well. Uh, as far as the bowl series would be concerned. But yesterday, yeah, James is back in the studio now and trying to put together some highlights is incredibly difficult from yesterday. I will say this. They lost, and at this point right now, just keep on losing. But don't don't lose sight of the fact that they continue to scrape the bottom of the barrel with these performances. And yesterday was yet another one. A lot of you are suggesting you don't think Chris Ballard is the biggest part of the problem. There's no doubt that both he and Jim Irsay have been, but with the player personnel, that is firmly on the shoulders of Chris Ballard. There's no way, no way you can go into a year seven here. None. Zero. None. Especially when you go go out there and have to draft another quarterback which we'll dive into coming up in a bit. There's just no way you can do it, at least in my opinion. Um, and as far as Jeff Saturday is concerned, I don't know how you move on with that either, especially the way that they have played or lack thereof for Jeff Saturday in the time he has been the interim head coach. Not been a lot of want-to out there. I know, too, it kind of sounds like a double-edged sword you're talking about. Well, wait a minute. You're looking for some want-to, some resistance, but at the same time, you hope that they lose because of what may, what could be draft position. But you can see it if it's happening, and you just don't see it. There has been no resistance. There's a reason why Jeff Saturday was mad at his guys, his offensive line. I wasn't even so much at the beginning of the whole Kayvon Thibodeau snow angel routine. I didn't think much of it. I did when you saw the picture of him on the sideline with that, you know, putting somebody to sleep routine. That's lame. But when Daniel Jones goes down the field and he gets that forearm from Okereke, it was on. Now, granted, they're going someplace. They're going to the postseason. But it was on with their offensive linemen. But when Foles got whacked, by the way, that should have been roughing the passer. Now you're going to say, well, it's a soft NFL. Those are their rules. When you come down full brunt of your weight on the quarterback, that is supposed to be roughing the passer. I didn't come up with the rules. Others did. 
But those have been the rules. Now, again, it's a rule for some, it seems, and not for others. And yesterday, it certainly was not going to be a rule for Nick Foles. Nick Foles, pick six. Nick Foles, awful. Nick Foles, done for the season. Sam Ellinger is going to be the starter coming up in that regular season finale on Sunday against the Texans. And you're going to have uh, Matt Ryan, who is going to be the backup right there. But mercifully, this season is going to conclude. And it has been every bit as bad as a lot of people thought. Certainly, it was going to be good. You can go back and take some receipts of those that felt this team was going to be a 13-game winner. I think I went over I went over nine is what I said. So I was wrong as anybody else. The problem that you have is the way that in losing this team, and I mean team, organization on down has looked just completely clueless and incredibly dysfunctional. That's how it's looked. It can get worse than just the play on the field. The play on the field's bad enough, and then you can't think about the decisions that got them here. Makes it look even worse. Things that you were banking on, things that you were counting on that did not even come close. Makes it look worse. Why do you believe so heavily in Jim Harbaugh? Well, he's had success in the past. I like him as a head coach. I always have and I always will. Not suggesting he's going to be Vince Lombardi by any stretch, but... Big-time name, a guy that I think can get it done. Do I think he's going to be here? No. I thought, honestly, though, it was going to be the other way around. I thought that you would probably see him bail if he won it all. I didn't think you would see him bailing with a report that is out there suggesting that he, he is uh, certainly open to bailing Ann Arbor for another NFL job, which is basically – his agent saying, all right, let's see how much money can be had out there. Remember, his flirtation a year ago with the Vikings seemed to be that too. Let's see how much money is going to be out there. Let's see what good we can do here. So, I mean, it may be more so than anything else, an agent pulling the strings right here. But to me, that's where it starts. Even if you're a little bit down on how Michigan performed against TCU, then so be it. But I still have a deeply rooted belief in him as a head coach. Yeah, more so than whatever else is going to be out there right now, which again is an unfair opinion considering you have some offensive coordinators that people like. Get your garden variety of offensive coordinators. Eric bieniemy has been out there forever. You know, Ken Dorsey is the guy with Buffalo that is raising his profile. Uh, Byron Leftwich is a guy down in Tampa probably looks better right now with them going into the postseason and their offensive performance out of Brady and Evans yesterday than certainly did maybe a month ago. You've got those names, but the name that I like is probably the guy that you don't have one chance in hell in getting. We'll see how open he's going to be. And with that in mind, we'll see how many more of these jobs will open up. And in the process here, we'll also see how serious Jim Mercy is about this Jeff Saturday thing, because I'm going to tell you, it may come all the way down to that. 
It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think about what you've seen with this team since Jeff Saturday has taken over. The one person that it's going to matter is Jim Irsay. He's the one that's going to be making that call. If he decides that's the guy that he wants, that's the guy that he believes in, regardless of the performances and regardless of the results, that's who he's going to go with. And as I've told you before, that would not surprise me in the least. Not at all. It would also not surprise me in the least if what we heard, I think it was taped prior to the Minnesota Saturday game, and we heard it for a first time a little over a week ago. It would not surprise me if he has a, because we've seen a change of heart, a change of heart in his backing and his support of Chris Ballard. That would not surprise me at all. It's not just me railing on it, not just me telling you what I feel, but that would not surprise me. With all that has gone wrong, all that has gone wrong in the Ballard philosophy of putting together a team, a team of depth, a winning team, an AFC South championship team, there is no doubt it has all gone haywire. So let's just go ahead and slide the words of Jim Irsay, you know, regarding Chris Ballard being here next year, and these are my words, not his, for sure. And think about where this team is right now and where this team has been, where it has gone in six years under Ballard. I'm telling you, next Monday is going to be incredibly interesting. Next Monday, by the way, we'll be at the Glendale Buffalo Wild Wings over by the old Glendale Mall. That's certainly something we will watch for. Next Monday... At any rate, is uh, Cameron on hold at 239-1070 right here? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see that. Dennis, welcome to the show. Sorry about that. You're not Cameron. You're Dennis. Go ahead. No, I am not. Thank you very, very much, JMV, for taking my call. Real yes, quick, it's really a shame that you got to spend some time. Well, I know what's your job, but you got these Pacers – downtown doing their thing and then you got to spend some time talking about this dumpster fire that is the Colts um, another thing you and me when it comes to Miles Turner, Miles Turner that the haters man I, I hope you're eat, I hope you're eating those words that you had been talking about and lastly lastly I know you can't say this but I'll say it it's not the GM, it's not the coach. I think it's the owner. I'll let I'll let Yeah, and, and Dennis, thank, thank you for the call. There. I'll get to all just what you said. Yeah, the owner has been a significant part of the problem, and it starts with him. But he's not going to fire himself. He, he is going to be the one making the decision moving forward, and this is where this is incredibly important. He has to make the decisions on people that he 100% trusts. Thus, he can go back and concentrate on music, concentrate on his music and pop culture museum site, be a voice of NFL owners, be a loud voice, be active in that, his philanthropy, all that stuff, and there's zero wrong with it. But you have to be 100 percent solid in who you're going to hire next, whether it's ultimately going to be a new general manager 
or certainly a new head coach, and then you got to exit and let these folks do their job. Because Dennis is right. It does, and it has this season started at the top. So you wipe the slate clean. You go back. You make the hires that you believe in. And then you slide out of the way and let those hires do their job. And get the function back. Enough of the dysfunction. Now, regarding Miles Turner, I don't tend to take a victory lap on it because here's what I can do. I can just kind of sit back on Saturday afternoon, for example, when he goes for, what, 34, 30-plus, whatever his game was against the Clippers, played really well. Other people will do it for me, Dennis. Other people will do it for me. And I just, um, I I don't know. I've never been. Sometimes I guess I would, and I kind of make a joke out of it. But at other times, it just seems like it's pretty repetitive. And we get enough repetition regarding this anyway. You know, the Colts suck or the Pacers are good. You know, that's where we are right now with the repetition of local sports. So I kind of just let everybody else do it for me. I think sometimes I'll maybe retweet it. I just don't go that deep. And I have had a belief in 33 because from the gate, I've understood who and what he is and what he brings to a team and what he would bring to a team that in this case has found itself, as I've mentioned in the past, an elite level willing passer. And he's more than that. But Halliburton and Turner have worked fantastically. Do you look at the way this team is built? They need 33. They need 33 on the defensive end. Well, wait a minute. He doesn't block every shot. And I said this last week after he played against both Mobley and Allen in Cleveland. It's not so much sending back somebody's shot every single time. They're going to make over the top of him. Guards are going to make over the top of him. But it's that thought that he has and is twofold with he and Buddy Heald. Knowing that you have to get out and cover Buddy Heald, that is now something in the NBA. I talk about the advanced scouting report all the time. That is now on the advanced scouting report. You got to make sure that he is covered. You had in two circumstances defensive players for Cleveland running to Buddy Heald when the ball was not yet in his hands, running away from Tyrese Halliburton, thus giving Halliburton two clean looks at very important three makes in the second half of that game and that win over Cleveland the other night. That's in their head because that's part of the game plan, just like Miles is defensively. These guys know that when he is out there, they know that he is out there, and that is a deal. You're thinking about that. That's on your mind other than thinking about what you're going to do with the basketball when you get the ball into the paint. That is a big deal. Our friend Rick Venturi talks about it all the time. He has described ambient players, you know, players that keep you up at night. You know, players that you have to account for. And you can say what you want about 33. On defense, you have to account for him. Wednesday night, Joel Embiid may go for 40, and then everybody's going to be coming out of the woodwork and me that don't like him, and they're going to be up my rear end about it. But I don't have to say a word because even those jackasses know that to be true. You have to account for him. 
You have to account for healed. It's easy to see the talent that Halliburton brings. And we've certainly seen that of Matherin as a rookie. These are things that make you better. Thus, you retain those things. Dennis, thank you for the call. Quick break, and we shall come back in just a bit. We're live in Columbus at the Buffalo Wild Wings. It is a blue Monday. I'd love to see you down here. We've got tickets to the regular season finale. The words of Jeff Saturday on his disappointment with his team standing up for Nick Foles. We'll get to that. Sam Ellinger is your starter. Matt Ryan is going to be active in that finale versus Houston coming up on Sunday as well. The latest on the Boilermakers not going so well in the Citrus Bowl. That and more for you. And the Pacers and the Raptors coming up later on tonight. Jay Query, top of the hour. Stephen Holder in the 5 o'clock hour. Live in Columbus, Indiana. Buffalo Wild Wings off of State Road 46. It is called John Moore Pike down here in Bartholomew County. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Indiana is our site, Buffalo Wild Wings. Thank you for joining us. We got tickets to the regular season finale. Sianna, Zach here with promotions. Devin's the on-site engineer. James is back in the studio. I'm Jamby. Thank you for joining us. We would love to see you at this Buffalo Wild Wings if you give yourself a minute as well. Query, top of the hour. I think Holder's going to be here in the five, but 239-1070 right now, and Ike is up next. Go ahead, Ike. How are you? Okay. How are you doing? Ike, I'm fantastic. What's up? Got a great show. All I wanted to say is this, man. The picks with a coat is so easy peasy. I could do it. I tell Ballard he could take the drafts off and let me fix it. All we got to do is just go out and use our picks on the best offensive lineman on the board for the first five picks, get us some young, nasty road graders, and start running the ball down people's throats. And we'll be just fine. That's the only thing wrong with the coach this year. The offensive line fell apart. I'm not blaming nobody for it. Ike, thank you for the call. You have to have a quarterback. And listen, that has been the ballad philosophy in the past, and that philosophy has failed. You have to have a quarterback. You go into this draft and you draft a quarterback. And I may change my opinion, but as I sit here right now, after watching Ohio State and Georgia, after watching all the talent on that field, uh, C.J. Stroud is the guy that I would go with. That's who I'd go with. Now, I've said, incredibly unfair Will Levis. I haven't seen Will Levis play a great deal, but I so enjoyed watching Stroud move around and make plays, and I don't give a crap about the longer-term history of Ohio State quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't care about that in the least. I care about the quarterback that's coming out right now. And in terms of what I have seen against high-level college football talent, Stroud, I thought, was fantastic. I know, I know, Stetson, everybody loves Stetson Bennett. Love Stetson Bennett. Love him. But for this Colts team moving forward, Stroud, to me, would be the guy. 
We'll come back to that on the other side. Jake Query, more of your calls as well. And Stephen Holder coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. The Columbus Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday. 38-10, Giants over the Colts. And a lot to talk about in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We are live in Columbus today. The John Moore Pike, or State Road 46, I guess, right in front of me here. Just a little bit east of I-65 on a blue Monday with Buffalo Wild Wings. Love to see you. Things in the Citrus Bowl not going well for the Boilermakers. 49-7 to as they're playing into the fourth quarter. The Boilermakers trailing LSU, we got the uh, Winter Classic going on in hockey, Fenway Park in Boston right now. The Rose Bowl coming up as well. We'll get to some of those scores from the afternoon. But the big news from yesterday is the Giants 38-10 over the Colts. And a lot to talk about just beyond the ridiculous score and what this season has been, not just as a whole, but since Jeff Saturday has taken over on an interim basis. He met with the media earlier today, talked about some of that. We'll share that and get some of the uh, thoughts of you at 239-1070 in just a bit. This reminder as well, 5.30, we're off the show today because you have Colts happy hour for an hour. And then you've got the Pacer pregame, 6.30 pregame, Pacers and the Raptors. And we'll get back to the Pacers coming up in a little bit as well as they look to close out a four-game homestand feeling really good, especially with that matinee win over over the Clippers on Saturday, the Raptors in town tonight. We'll get to that coming up in a minute. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, Jake Query, the morning show, he does join us. I saw where Jeff Saturday called uh, the uh, the snow angel move by Thibodeau tasteless and trash, but he put, I thought, Jake, a lot of the criticism where it should have been, the lack of any response maybe other than Bobby Okereke whatsoever from teammates on the field when that went down, which to me just basically described we saw both on the field this team and what it is right now and you know, essentially in a situation with a teammate, we saw what this team is all about. They're all about wanting to get to the offseason as quickly as possible. You know, I said this morning, John, and I appreciate you having me on, you know, I, I sent a tweet last night and it, by hardly – you know, it wasn't exactly an original thought because it was so incredibly obvious. But, you know, first you got Foles writhing in pain with Thibodeau doing the snow angel right next to him and the Colts O-line just standing around. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, not, you know, I made this point this morning. I was at a Pacer game. I think it was against Atlanta. And there was a play where T.J. McConnell did one of his famous inbound steals and dished it to Tyrese Halliburton, who scored and got fouled and was knocked to the ground. Buddy Heald was in retreat for transition defense and stopped on a dime and turned around and sprinted back to be one of the three or four Pacer players to help Halliburton up off the floor. Meanwhile, on the other side of town with the Colts, 
they've got a guy playing their most important position who's laying on the ground, writhing in pain, and not a single teammate cared. Literally, didn't look like they cared at all. Not to mention a guy doing snow angels right next to him. Didn't care. But later in the game, Okereke, as you mentioned, makes a hit on Daniel Jones, knocks him out of bounds, and, I mean, a scuffle ensues. You know why? Because the Giants protected their quarterback and their teammate. And I get it. It's been a disappointing year. It's been a frustrating year. But don't sit there and preach to me about how character and camaraderie and professionalism is the first thing that you look for when you're building a roster. When you've got guys that are completely thrown in the towel, that don't care about each other, and I'm sure they do, don't get me wrong, but at least act like, at least show it on the field. And I applaud Jeff Saturday. Now, I don't know what he might have said to them after the game yesterday, but at least today he called them out, and at least today he said, look, you know, disappointing, we're going to have to have a word about that, you know. So I, I was relieved to see that. But it just, to me, perfectly encapsulated what has been a total disaster season for the Colts. And if you measure it against the expectation coming in, it might be the most disappointing season in their time in Indianapolis. Right, especially, too, on in the interim basis on Jeff Saturday. Let's not forget that. And people ask me all the time, I'm sure they ask you as well, how in the world, because I, I'm in that category, too, how in the world can you bring him back? and hire him in the offseason. Well, this is all going to be the the hiring, the decision of Jim Ursay. So I could absolutely see that. But I'm kind of in a spot right now, and, and people are going to say, well, you've been anti-Ballard for a while. I'm in a spot right now, whereas maybe a week or two ago, I thought differently that I'd be more surprised if Ballard is back right now than if Saturday is. I thought... John, one thing we know about Jim Irsay is that his mind can change or be swayed. And since, if you think about the fact that it was after the Minnesota game when he made the comments about Ballard being back, well, they've had arguably their two most embarrassing and worst performances since, right? I mean, yesterday was inexcusable. I don't mean... You know, Jim Mercer was was he's a complex individual, and I think obviously a good person. But Jim Mercer took 14 fans. The season has been so bad. Think about this: if you're Jim Mercer, your football team is so bad, and your season is spiraling so poorly that to kind of save face, you generously put together a package where you're going to take 14 fans and put them on your private plane, give them two grand each to go out to New York city for stay in a hotel, which can't be inexpensive on new year's Eve, go to all the festivities for new, for all of that for new year's Eve. And the consolation or, or, or the price to be paid for the people that you're doing that is that they've got to go and watch your crap football team. Literally like, the people on the plane had to be saying, like, this was awesome, except that we had to go watch that disaster of a football game. And that can't be lost on Jim Irsay. He's a prideful guy. And, John, I know it sounds crazy. He wasn't on that plane, obviously. I'm assuming he was on the team plane and they were on a, a smaller charter plane. But still, like, he has to be embarrassed, right? 
And Jim Irsay, when he's embarrassed, wants to make good on that. And so to your point about Chris Ballard, yeah, Jim Irsay made comments that Chris Ballard was definitively back next year, and I still think he will be, quite frankly. But every week it gets worse. Every week it gets worse. So he's got to be contemplating it, doesn't he, John? Here's the thing. I look at the head coach and the general manager. I think one of these guys could get a pass, and it's not going to be the guy that's built this thing in the past six years. That's where I stand right now. Listen, and I know I know that the owners I know that the owners point of view will change on a dime. I just don't know how any of this changes, because clearly in hiring Jeff, it showed how much trust and confidence he has in him. I think that that's able to withstand this joke of a time we have seen since Jeff took over on an interim basis. Somebody's going to have to fall on it here in this case. And I know that Frank Reich already had, but I'm talking about somebody else. And I don't know where else you can look because all of this, all that we saw yesterday, all that we've talked about with the offense, all that we've talked about with, you know, how things looked. If you want to talk about the optics of foals there on the ground and all that, this is all constructed by Chris Ballard. And as you mentioned, it is different. Than, than what was recorded prior to the Minnesota game. There has been a lot more embarrassment. And I mean embarrassment for the owner to a point where, yeah, you're right, last week, Jake, he felt it necessary to, to reach out to Colts fans and say, hey, uh, this whole season, this is my phrasing, not his, has sucked. Let's try to do something for the fans. He understands that. And I just I think that things have changed since he recorded that interview a couple, three weeks ago. Let me ask you this, John. Yep. Chris Ballard, to buy him out, is going to cost you probably $25 million. Uh, That's a guess. That's yeah. a guess. To, okay. Uh, it you can't be about owe... money, Jake. It, with, with, with Jim, though, and I, I'm going to let you finish, that can't be about money. We, we know too totally much agree. here. We've, we, it's been too much. He cares about football. It doesn't matter the price tag. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the scrolls or the guitars or that. I'm just talking about his feeling on football. It's easy for me to say because it's not my money, but it's easy for me to say because this is the Jim Ursley that has been talked about and described. This decision cannot be about, about money. It can't. No, I, I, I would agree with you, but I'm just saying if, it was, if, if that were an issue, if that were an issue. Now, I just saw, and maybe this came out six hours ago, but just before we went on, about an hour ago, I saw a tweet from writers at The Athletic that cover Michigan saying that people close to Jim Harbaugh say he would accept an NFL job if it was offered to him. Right. So so is there yes. a chance that Jim Mersey says, you know what, I'm going to bite a lot of money here off of a couple of bad hires, but I can make up for it by – getting two for one and making Jim Harbaugh the player with director, you know, like a Sean Payton, uh, the, excuse me, the head coach with player personnel control and just bundle it into one. I, now, um, I don't think he'd do that with a lot of people, but I think he trusts Jim Harbaugh. Your thoughts? I don't know if he would combine them. I think absolutely he would, and I think he will at least take a major cut at Jim Harbaugh to see. I don't think that – I don't know if Jim Harbaugh would want the dual role here. 
So that may be where, and knowing what I know and believing that Jim really would like to have and trust Jeff Saturday around regardless of how this team has looked, I mean, that might be one of those situations where they flip it up a little bit and, you know, do something else with Jeff within the organization. I just, I think sitting here right now, the things have such drastically gone downhill on the field since he did that interview uh, with whomever he did that interview with while he was in Minnesota, that that, that thought process has, has certainly I mean, changed. So I, I would definitely tell you that I could see Jeff Saturday being around next year more than I can Chris Ballard right now. James, my, my thing is this. This is where, where I think things might turn against Ballard. Tell me if you agree with this. With Jeff Saturday, it, Jim Irsay, when he brought in Jeff Saturday, believed and preached the fact that he was bringing him in. The number one reason that he said was he believed that Jeff Saturday was a leader of men, that he was a guy that could motivate people, that he understood, you know, foot, you know he, didn't, he didn't say, it wasn't as much about X's and O's with Jeff Saturday, it was about leadership. So Jim, Jim Irsay truly believes Jeff Saturday is a leader. But the last two weeks, I've seen a football team that has no desire to be out there. I've seen guys that look like quitters, that look like they don't care, that look like they're checked out. And if I'm Jim Mercy, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, I know that the coach can lead players, but these players don't want to be led. So I've got to ask myself, who brought them in? And who critiqued them and scouted them to the point of thinking that under all circumstances, you know, Jeff Saturday is the one that always says, you know, it's easy at the valley. It's e- or it's e- excuse me, it's easy at the top of the mountains. It's in the valley where men are, are where teams are built, and they're in valleys right now. And if you're and so Jim Mercer's thinking to himself, I've got a guy that can lead people out of valleys, but I got a bunch of players that look like they don't want to find the way. And if that's the case, then who brought them in here? And that's where I could see Chris Fowler getting into hot water. So, Jay Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. He is with us here on the fan, of course, live from Columbus at Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday here in Bartholomew County. Looking for you as well. Great food, ice cold beverages, and more here at the Buffalo Wild Wings off of John Moore Pike. We are in Columbus today at that Buffalo Wild Wings. And it, it does, I think, construction which means failing and lack of results on the field. And then the attitude that you've also, we've talked about so far, I, that's still going to fall on the shoulders more of the general manager than it is Jeff. I, I, like, do I have a, a deeply rooted belief in Jeff Saturday as a good future head coach? No, but I, I do, much like what he has said, understand what he was walking into. And I also have heard, I'm sure you have as well, he had to deal with some stuff, you know, off the field um, that was getting slighted by Frank. And I think it's really easy, by the way, Jake, to blame absolutely everything on Frank because we know now that absolutely everything was not the fault of Frank Reich here. I just, I go with what I believe Jim Irsay believes in right now, and that would certainly be more in Jeff Saturday and the confidence he has in him just by what he is being told more so than the construction of this team and a lot of wasted time and effort and years in this Ballard plan after six seasons. You know, the the irony is this, and the irony is, and I'm, 
I'm a little hesitant, I guess, to, to completely critique the guy with the golden goose. But, I mean, the reality, I think, could very easily be this. We sit here and we go back and forth about, is it Saturday? Is it Ballard? Is it Saturday? Is it Ballard? Which one? The reality is that it's entirely possible. I'm not saying it's fact, but I think it's plausible that you had a team that was 3-3-1 and in a division that most people felt like didn't necessarily have anybody that was firmly going to reach out and take control of it. You were less than 50% of the way through the regular season. And all of a sudden, seismic changes are made at the quarterback position and then immediately fought, then the offensive coordinator and then the head coach, all seemingly by the owner. And it's entirely possible that the locker room at that point said, well, what the hell? Like, this guy thinks we're done. This guy just, like, he just threw our season away. No, that and part's true. There's no doubt. Yeah, that's true. And so, and, and so it's entirely possible that guys that are mailed in, checked out, and, and going through the motions are doing so because they feel like that's what they were basically told sub- subconsciously to do. You're, it's done. You're, you guys are done. And, and, that fall, and, that, and that, those decisions were made by the one person in that building that ain't going anywhere, and that's the owner. Yeah, and, and and he has he has caused issues and complicated this as much as anybody here. But yes, he is not not going anywhere. And when he put Jeff Saturday in there, he put him in there and set him up to fail because this was all likely to happen anyway. And the other aspect of it is you look at the AFC South, a division that the Colts haven't won since 2014, and constantly talking about the importance of winning it. And this season, it is easily at its highest level of winnability. And for this joke of a team not to have any fight whatsoever to push to that and then have the Titans and the Jaguars, both different teams going in different directions right now, battling it for that top spot makes it even more embarrassing than this team has looked in the past month on the field for the owner. You know what should absolutely, and I'll bet you does, absolutely irk Jim Irsay. And I will credit, Derek Schultz told me this today. I did not know this stat. This is 100% credit to Derek Schultz. But he pointed this out to me today. You realize, John, that since the, if the Jacksonville Jaguars win on Saturday over the Tennessee Titans, that will mean that since the Colts' last AFC South title, the other three teams have each won the division twice. Yeah. Twice. Yep. Twice. The Jacksonville freaking Jaguars will have won two AFC titles since the Colts last won the division. And you know what? I'm so sick and tired of hearing – People say, well, you know, but Andrew Luck, you know, that was he, he, he set him back when he retired. I mean, that was like in football years, that was like 15 years ago. Give me a break. I mean, you got to make adjustments, man. I mean, bottom line, like I, I don't have the energy right now off the top of my head to come up with it, but the teams that are in the playoffs this year, how many of them are quarterbacked by somebody that was even quarterbacking them the year, the year that happened? You make adjustments, man. You move up and you get guys in the draft. If you think it's your guy or you make a trade, you do something like that, you, you, you find your guy, period. So Jay Quarry's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And then you looked at everything that has gone wrong. Who, um, who do you think was more of? And I know this all starts with Jim Irsay. I mean, the, the reason why it's Matt Ryan 
is Jim Ursay's fault because he didn't want Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz, you know, obviously this season wasn't any good either. Um, but we all know why Matt Ryan was here. But who, who, um, who do you think? Was it more Ballard or was it more more Frank Reich at the time who gave the thumbs up on both Matt Ryan and Nick Foles being usable quarterbacks this year? My goodness, you got to reevaluate what yeah. exactly you're looking at when you see that, who in the world thought these guys were going to be able to play? I guess the same fo- folks that thought the offensive line could play and constructed it that way. These evaluations have not just missed the mark, but they have been miles and miles away from the mark, Jake. Yeah, I remember. I mean, look, Ryan, I think, was Ballard, right? Because that was kind of, I mean, that was like well, the it was because of Ursay, because Jim uh, Jim Ursay last in the final week of the season, you know, during the game against Jacksonville, said there's no way that this guy can come back and win. You guys got to go out and find somebody, and they just kind of you don't want to say luck now, but at the time you say they kind of lucked into it because of the circumstances in Atlanta. Right. And I think that Ballard had said he watched an hour, an hour and a half. Maybe it was Reich, one of the two. They watched like an hour and a half of tape. Uh, Matt Ryan and then knew right at that moment that he was going to be good to go this year. What the hell did they watch? They, they, they actually re- they checked in with the same person that told Indiana that Hunter Perea and uh, Christian Lander were five-star recruits that were going to turn around their program. Right? No, I mean, what I, they watched, man. Yeah. It, um, it, yeah. I just, that, that, that just I, – I can't get past that. There are so many other if things, Jake, done, that are haywire, I wonder, but I, I start right there. I wonder if – and somebody pointed this out to me. My friend Scott pointed this out to me. So people point out to me stuff, I guess, a lot. But, but this is a good point. I, I wondered if Ursay's insistence on sticking with Sam Ellinger in a couple of different periods here wasn't his way of saying to Ballard and Reich both, look, you guys each had your chance. You each had your quarterback chance, and it didn't work out. So I'm going to prove that both of you are wrong. And let's put out the kid from Texas. Yeah. Jim, Jim wanted Ellinger to be the savior of the season. He wanted, he wanted him. He wanted him to be the savior. He wanted him to be the savior for on the field and then for the story as well. And then you could tell when he hired Jeff Saturday, what Jeff Saturday felt about Ellinger, because he immediately went back to Matt Ryan. That was, that was Jim Irsay hoping that Ellinger was, was going to be not just the savior on the field, but an incredible savior type of story off the field. And it just wasn't in the cards. And everybody knew it, besides them. Yeah. You know, so that's it, where we are. It's just a mess, man. I mean, it's a, the good thing is it feels like they have some – I do think they have a decent defense. I do think that they – you know, they're going to have a running game, whether it's because they overpaid Jonathan Taylor, and I think any big contract for him is overpaying, not for his skill set because he's an elite runner. I just don't think that you need to pay at that position. But they're going to have, you know, Pittman's a nice player. Alec Pierce looks like, he, he you know, he's going to be a player. So it doesn't feel like they're that far off, but they're that far off at the most important position in sports, and that's quarterback. And their quarterbacking situation looks just like Monument Circle did when Kevin and I looked out the window this morning. Foggy as hell, and you couldn't see a block in front of your face. Shane no Cray with the, 
Yep, sorry about that, Jake. I didn't mean to jump in on you. Jake Queries on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Before I let you go, I did want to work in this regarding the Pacers. They wrap up a four-game homestand, which has been fantastic against a good team at Toronto. And Pascal Siakam coming up later on tonight. Coverage begins here at 6.30. Tip time is at 7. Uh, speaking of rethinking things, I mentioned that in terms of the owner as far as the general manager and moving forward with the head coach is concerned. But if you're Kevin Pritchett and you're Chad Buchanan right now, you have to absolutely be rethinking things as far as your thought with 33 and an extension or not and trading or trading him. And then also any thought about trading Buddy Heald. I, I brought this up last week. I feel even more solidified in this right now. Sometimes you just embrace if your team is playing ahead of schedule. I think this is one of those times. What say you? Totally agree. Here, here's what I like about this Pacers roster. Of their young players, each of them so far through 37 games, 38 games, has had their moment where they've shown that they can be trusted. Andrew Nemhard on the West Coast when they were in Golden State. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, that speaks for itself. Benedict Mather and the way he started the year. Now Aaron Neesmith is coming into his own and providing them really good defense and a nice offensive touch when necessary. And then I really do think that Buddy Heald might be the key Jenga piece. Like, I talked to somebody in the Pacers upper brass over the weekend that said, you know, typically the shooting guard is the guy that's kind of the wide receiver diva on your roster. And they said, Buddy Heald might be the best teammate amongst any shooting guard we've had here. And I think he's kind of a glue guy. I really do think that the players rally around him. I think that he kind of keeps things loose, but he's a trusted veteran. He hits shots when he needs to. And the Pacers have the luxury, John, if, the, if need be, to be able to sign both of them and keep them around here. And I, and I think Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, they may do that because they have draft picks. They're not going to be great draft picks because of the way they're playing, but they're going to have a couple of first-round picks to add on to this young core. I think they've seen enough out of the – you know, the only one probably that's fallen out of, rota- out of rotation is Isaiah Jackson just because I don't know that he shows enough lower, you know, on-the-block strength defensively, and he's kind of fallen out of rotation. But the other young pieces they have, have all shown that you can stick with them and ride with them for a while. And they've arrived early. And I think they like having Turner and, and healed. And I think at this point, they have the luxury, if need be, of exploring, keeping them around. And I think that's what they want to do. Yeah. Somebody's saying you think they should trade healed. I've said all along that they shouldn't because shooting A is an asset that is number one on the list in any level of basketball, and certainly the NBA right now. But I brought up last week, Jake, that now you see, because of what is the advanced scouting, you see defensive players running out to put a body or to put a man on heeled in a defensive kind of scramble mode before he even gets the ball. That's where he is right now. That is a threat even without the ball offensively, much like Miles is even when he is, you know, not in position to make a block or defend on the interior. It's something that other teams are thinking about, and that is a good thing. That is important. That's on both sides of the basketball for this Pacer team. I also just think he provides – He's. this is crazy to say because he's, what, 30? But, you know, he's kind of the old man on the team, and – he, he, I think he likes that role. I think that guys lean towards him and look towards him to keep things loose. And I think he's, you know, 
if you think about when the Pacers traded, I think it was Danny Granger and they got Evan Turner. And everyone's like, oh, my goodness, they got this great player. Well, then we later found out that Danny Granger, even though I realized he, you know, his contract was big and, whatever, and he was at the end of it, but Danny Granger was beloved. Guys liked him. They liked having him around, and it kind of crumbled him a little bit. When they went out and got Andrew Bynum, Andrew Bynum was a guy that, that everybody thought was on the court going to be this great addition, and then we found out what chemistry meant, and it kind of crumbled everything, and it also put Roy Hibbert into like some funk. But I think the Pacers have learned enough about trusting the way their locker room fits with one another. And I've been around a lot of Pacers, not around. I mean, it's not like I'm in a locker room, but I've covered and or watched a lot of Pacer teams. And I don't know, at least from an outside observation, that we have had a season with a tighter unit than this one. And that's why they're above expectation. That's why they've arrived early. And that's why I think they'd like to keep them intact. So Jake Quay with us. Well, maybe look stupid. Yeah, I um I just think that oftentimes, especially with the younger generation, you get wrapped up in assets and in future picks and you know, you're going to worry about five years down the road. Uh, for me, I'm 53. I, I don't give a crap. I want to see if you can win. I want to see this team get to winning and get to winning right now. Get that winning going. And if it's earlier than expected, then so be it. And I just think I think that the Pacers and Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard, normally you come to a crossroads and it's not good. I think you're at a crossroads right now going into 2023, and it's a good thing for this team. So go with it, right? Just kind of yeah. go, go. As we used to say back in the day when we were in college and we were having fun on a Friday or Saturday night, go with the buzz. They need to go with that buzz. Go with the buzz right now. Let me go with it. Yeah. Uh, hey, no argument here, man. No argument. Don't want to kill the uh, buzz, right? Don't. Yeah. Uh, nobody wants to be that buzz. Could go with the buzz. So, hey, what do you guys got going on tomorrow morning before I let you go? Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Pacers, as a matter of fact. I mean, that's going to be one of the, the key talking points because they play tonight, obviously, with Toronto in town. So, you know, we'd be breaking that down. Jeremiah Johnson is going to join us. And then Rob Blackman will join us. Uh, hopefully to talk not as much about the Purdue football bowl game today, but about the number one boilers. And, uh, you know, they're obviously playing today as well. So big day for Purdue sports as well. Yeah, not a good afternoon for the boilers down 56 to 7 right now. I think it was uh, Dion Burks that they just uh, took off the field. I believe that's who it was, the Boilermaker player. I couldn't see from this angle, but it looked like him. But they took off on a cart, which didn't look good either. So, yeah, altogether, thinking about being Brian Brom, this is probably not one you'd want on the resume right here, is it? I mean, and how about Brian Kelly, like, throwing flea, you know, flea flickers up 42 nothing? Like, come on. Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a ball game, I guess. Par for the course right there. It is. All right, buddy. We'll be listening tomorrow morning. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, man. We'll see you. Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus, our location on a blue Monday. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. I'm going to run past some of my – Colts thoughts with him coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Columbus, Buffalo Wild Wings, a blue Monday. Let's get to your thoughts. i got time for you coming up on the other side. 239-1070. That's the number. Call. We'll chat inside the lounge via YouTube Live at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
The Ride with JMV. Hey, my buddy, Swanson, full steam ahead, over there. I want to go over there. I'll move over, Swanson, I'm driving. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus. And a shout-out to Chris. Chris is here from Osgood, Indiana, which is Ripley County. Thank you for the ice-cold Bud Light that we're having right here as well inside the lounge via YouTube Live. There you go. <laughs> Watching it as well and participating in the conversation. What is it with the whole Snow Angel thing? So yesterday with uh, Thibodeau, you had that, and we've talked about that today and that Colts loss to the Giants. And then somebody for LSU, they just beat Purdue 63-7. to They actually poured Cheez-Its onto the playing field. When the game was still going on and there was a snow angel done in Cheez-Its and then his teammates were picking it up and eating them. That's some weird, wild stuff right there for sure. 63-7 Boilermakers lose in the Cheez-It Bowl, also known as the Citrus Bowl. All right, 239-1070 is the number. James is back in the studio dialing folks up and Rebecca is next. Hello, Rebecca. How are you? Hey, JMV. This is the first time to call, but I listen to you a lot. How are you? Thank you very much, Rebecca. I appreciate that. Go Uh, ahead. Well, I'm out walking my dogs to celebrate Mississippi State winning over Illinois. Yes. An amazing game. It was. And I think the Colts could sit down and they could watch that before the next game and, you know, see people who don't give up, who lost their coach tragically, and they got an interim coach. And, you know, I'm not saying anything terrible about anybody it's just you know i know these are college kids i got yeah. kids older than them <laughs> like, Re- Re- rebecca okay. a, a little bit of a heart and inspiration might do this bunch of players a large bit of good considering how they've looked because they certainly you know have not had that and uh for obvious reasons with mississippi state and you know the loss of their head coach mike leach uh, a week or so ago, uh, that that definitely inspiration was there, and they backed that up today. Oh sure. Well, I mean, I'm an alum, and you know, so we bleed maroon and white. But uh, you know, I've been I've lived here since same old Colts before Tim Harbaugh was the quarterback. I mean, I've seen it. I know how this works, but I mean, this is I really don't remember seeing a team that just gave up. And I heard you talking to Jake, and you know, maybe they've given up because of the owner. I don't know. I mean, I think it doesn't matter why you think. You just don't give up. You have a job. You don't give up. You just go ahead and go. I mean, I've got to get up and do the dishes and the laundry, and that's no fun. Nobody pays me a million dollars to do it. Yeah, and they, there, there has been, and I, I call it this, because it's, it's tough to say. Well, these guys just in blanket statement, you give up, but. We can certainly say this, Rebecca. There has not been a great deal, if much at all, resistance going on with this group. And this group looks, from top to bottom, and I'm talking organizationally speaking, too, pretty broken. There's no doubt about that. And the last thing I'll say is go Buffalo, because I was a Naheem Hines fan, and I'm so glad to see him getting a chance to continue to play, because I thought he really did, when he got out there, he really did show a lot of heart and a lot of effort and I'm not saying that there's no one on the team that shows harder effort there are some but I'm just glad to see him going and uh, still getting to play so. Rebecca thank you very much for listening while you're walking your dog call in again soon uh, have a great one enjoy your Bud Light
Uh, I am right now. I'm way ahead of you, Rebecca. Thank you very much. I, Naeem Hines has kind of find, found similar circumstances in Buffalo. <laughs> Not getting used there either. Yeah, Buffalo and Cincinnati, your Monday nighter, which is a hum dinger this evening, no doubt. Cameron's next at 239-1070. Hello, Cameron. Hello? <clears throat> Hello? Hello, Cameron. I'm here waiting on you. Go ahead, brother. Hey, JMV. Um, I don't know if you're still talking about the Pacers, but uh, I, I know you mentioned earlier about what, you know, what do we think they need or if they do need anything. I guess my, my two cents, I guess I would say, I think they're just lacking a, a power forward, an aggressor. And I know the power forward in today's age is a lot different, but, you know, they looked at like John Collins and there's rumors about Obi Toppin from, from the Knicks. And I think... And I don't want to put any discredit on Neesmith because I think he's been playing a hell of a hell of a little stint here. But with guys like Neesmith, I really just hope he continues his shooting because if they're going to play small, I really think he's got to be able to space the floor. And my second thing, and I would see if you would agree with this, if um, well, if they do get that power forward, if they move Nemhard back to the bench, and then then you're able to start that power forward and let Nemhart control the second unit. I love me some TJ McConnell, but isn't the reason you drafted Nemhart is to, you know, be the backup point guard or be the guy behind Tyree. So why do you think they need to really let him start to control that second unit? No, I think he's good where he is right now. I think you got plenty of time to figure all that out. I, I'm just, I'm one that Cameron, I want to see them kind of ride with what they have right now and then adjust with what they have right now. You know, it's the same thing like with Matherin. Like, is Matherin good enough to start? Absolutely. Does it matter whether he comes off the bench or starts? He's still going to get his. I like that. And I just think that there's time to adjust. And I also think, I love the motivation that you get uh, from Nimhard too, because clearly the coaching staff, has confidence in having him guard some of the elite players of the NBA. I just I just think his growth, because of the way he's been utilized this season, his growth has been expedited because of that. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. I think more so than specific roles given to guys, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I've been thinking the same thing about Nemhard. Anybody who watches him, he does get stuck on the Trey Youngs. I mean, the guy was guarding, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul, George, Kate, like, I agree with that. Um, and I guess that would be my thing about people talking about Matherin starting. I've went to almost, you know, every home game, and I'm going tonight again, and I kind of watch Matherin on defense a lot. And I love Matherin. Don't get me wrong. I think he's he's a great player. I just think right now he's having those small little defensive mistakes that keeps him out of lineup because Rick didn't even play him in the, you know, last four or five minutes of that game against the Clippers. And I know there was a couple times he fell asleep. Um, have you noticed that at all with Matherin? Sometimes he gets a little lackadaisical on defense. Um, no, here's what I've noticed more so than anything else. I haven't noticed that. I've noticed that if he does and somebody gets him with the bucket or if he messes up offensively, he's got one of the shortest rookie memories I think I've ever seen. I mean, it, it is great to be able to turn that on and off like he does. And I think that's important. Because I think you've got to forget about those moments where you screwed up 
and just kind of learn from it when you watch the tape and then move forward, I think he is perfect, especially for somebody that you're counting on in the now because he can screw something up offensively, not look good, and then all of a sudden go on a run where he scores 10 straight or something like that. That, to me, is a hell of an asset. I definitely agree, JMV. I appreciate you uh, taking my call. Yep. I guess last thing quickly I'm going to say is make sure people vote for Tyrese for the all-star voting. Get him as a starter. There's no reason he shouldn't be a starter. So, No doubt about that, Cameron. Thank you very much for the call in Columbus at Buffalo Wild Wings. Stephen Holder coming up at the top of the hour. A couple things we'll get to, of course, with the Colts and just how – Awful and embarrassing things have been, especially during the interim head coaching reign of Jeff Saturday. And if he believes the whole thought process of the Colts owner has changed regarding Chris Ballard, that and more. Top of the hour, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Back in Columbus, our location off of uh, John Moore Pike, Jim Moore Pike. John Moore? Is it John or Jim? What is it? Jonathan. Jonathan. Oh, I'm sorry. Jonathan Moore Pike right here is where I am. Jonathan Moore. Um, John Moore, the late, great John Moore, was the uh, one-time president back when I was there at Indiana State University. Jonathan Moore Pike is our location. In Columbus, we are here at Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday. Boilermakers, 63-7 losers in the Citrus Bowl, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl earlier today to number 17 LSU. Quite the shootout from Arlington, Texas today. That's the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic Tulane. The 16th-ranked Green Wave, 46-45 over number 10 USC. Mississippi State in one honoring their late head coach, Mike Leach. A 19-10 victory over Illinois earlier today. And the Rose Bowl is coming up later on this evening. Actually, 5 o'clock it's underway. That is Penn State and Utah from Pasadena, California. Colts a loser in a bad way. Things have been spiraling downward, certainly since Jeff Saturday is taking over on an interim basis as head coach. We'll talk about that and then some. Thank you very much as we lead into the final week of the regular season and the regular season finale against Houston coming up on Sunday. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder, he joins us. Um, We've kind of been all over the map this season. And we heard a couple of weeks ago, actually it was taped prior to that Minnesota game, that Jim Mersey, um said that Chris Ballard would be back next season for sure. I happen to sit here right now and believe that thought process has changed. And when somebody asked me, Stephen, a little bit earlier, who I would feel would be back over the other if you had to choose one, I can't imagine bringing Jeff Saturday back but I can see him right now sitting here talking to you being back before now I can see Chris Ballard returning for a seventh season here as general manager of the Colts. Would you agree? 
James, I cannot hear him. Is he there? I'm here. Jay. Sorry, sorry. No, oh, I'm sorry, Stephen. Go ahead. Did you hear my? Hopefully, you heard my question, right? I did. I did. I did. I was okay. muted because I'm a moron. Uh, so, all right. I don't think I'm prepared to say that just yet about Ballard, and and that has nothing to do with whether I, I, you know, the what what I think of the job he's done. It's not about that. It's more about right. I I I think for whatever reason, a couple of things. Number one, the owner is very eh, strong-willed. I think is the word I'll use. And I think he has it in his head that, or he has convinced himself, I think that that they have, um, that their problems lie elsewhere, you know, and I know what it looks like. Okay. I know what it looks like, but, but I also think that's a mistake to some extent, because if you think about the way they have operated, um, I made this point on Twitter yesterday, probably not very effectively. So I'll try again. They have, I think, mistakenly identified singular problems and eliminated those perceived problems on a couple of a couple of occasions now first it was Carson Wentz right it was hey let's get rid of Carson Wentz we'll move on we'll be great I'm oversimplifying it but that's kind of what happened right that was not the case now it became all right you know what Frank Reich's the problem let's get rid of Frank Reich and what has happened to this team absolutely absolutely embarrassing and yeah. listen, I, you can say whatever you want about Frank Reich. This is not an, an argument for Frank Reich. This is embarrassing. Everybody associated with this team right now should never show their face in public again. It's absolutely embarrassing. And so what I'm saying is it was not just that simple, get rid of Frank Reich, and and it's going to fix everything. I'm not saying you said that. I'm not saying the fans said yeah. that. But I do think I do think there was some perception of that maybe from ownership and that has now proven twice to be a mistake to, to operate in that fashion. So it, it certainly gives you the argument. It makes the argument for, for more extensive change. So I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I guess I'm agreeing with you that they need to look at bigger, bigger changes. And, and obviously the front office is where you start. Yeah, I just got to sit here right now thinking that even in the disaster it's been since Saturday has taken over, that Jim Irsay still has more confidence and trust in him than he does anybody else right now. And I can't imagine them bringing him back, but that is the one reason or rationale why I would give that thought a positive in terms of that possibility being there in the offseason. Yeah, I, I think I think the other thing is, if even if Chris, Chris Ballard comes back, what we still don't know is, what is his level of authority? We still don't know that. And, and we won't know that, I don't think, until, number one, we hear from the owner, and two, we know who he hires. Those two things have to happen, um, I think, before we have really uh, a, a better sense of, of what uh, Chris Ballard's level of authority would even be. We, I don't think we know that. And, and that's a very key element to this whole thing as well. So uh, it, it's going to be very, very interesting, I think, the next – uh, next several weeks or however long this takes. But I think there's a lot of unanswered questions uh, that we can't answer just yet because other dominoes got to fall. But but I'm with you. I mean, this is this is bad. I, I also agree with you, uh, lastly, that, uh, that, look, I think Jeff Saturday doesn't have much of an argument to make, I think. But I also can tell you for a fact that uh, the owner still thinks very, very, very highly of him. Yeah. I uh, to me, 
To me, this is simple, and I know you have to have love from the other side on this as well. And who knows, because you had a similar flirtation a year ago in Minnesota. turned out to be nothing, and maybe this is going to be the same case. But if you're Jim Ursay and Jim Harbaugh, as reported by The Athletic earlier today, would have interest, does have interest in going back to the NFL, that is hard target number one right there, without question. That's it. Hey, well, listen, here's the thing, and this is, I'm not breaking news here, but if, if that is the case, if they were to target him and, and he lands here, that is a game changer for Chris Ballard. And I don't mean in a positive way, okay? <laughs> because I, I really believe that, that Jim Harbaugh would expect and you would have to be willing to give him uh, some level of authority um, I don't know what it would look like. I don't know what the power structure would be, but uh, he's not a guy who's necessarily great at taking orders. Let's put it that way. Uh, Frank Reich, for example, on the other hand, was all too happy to be the coach and, and completely cede uh, the management of the team and the roster to the general manager. I mean, that's, that's, those are the terms he was hired under anyway, but I'm just saying – uh, I think it might be it might look quite different with a Jim Harbaugh, and I, I don't know how that would work. That would be very interesting, and that would change things. I think at least to some extent, if not a great extent, with uh, Chris Ballard. You know, I was talking about this, Stephen, a little bit earlier. To somebody had asked me about dual role opportunities, hypothetically for Jim Harbaugh, and I don't think he would want dual role. In name, but you're absolutely right. I mean, as far as input and not having to take orders, there is there is no question about that aspect of it. I'll give you an example elsewhere in the league. Okay, so John Lynch is very clearly uh, very. It's very clear cut. He's the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. Right. But but let's be clear. Okay, Kyle Shanahan has juice in that organization. Okay, now that may not be something they advertise it may not be something that they openly talk about but the people around the league know that that is that is very well established among people in the nfl so that's kind of what i'm getting at it it ain't about the title right the title's secondary it really boils down to who's got the juice and who the owner says has the final call and i think that is something where uh, a jim harbaugh coming to indianapolis could be could could shake things up very hypothetical, you, right, obviously, but, but we're just saying. Can you imagine a possibility, a realistic possibility, where Jim Mercer is sold right here and right now on Jeff Saturday's return? I, I know that the fans wouldn't buy it, but the fans are certainly going to be different than the owner. Can you imagine a possibility where that's the case? Of, of Jeff coming back? Yeah, as, a, um, as the coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ha- let's just put it this way. I can't rule it out, and I'm not doing that just just based on you know what I think. I'm basing that on on I, on the affinity that he has for him. And there's also all right. I'll tell you something else. I was told that just a lot of this has to do with I think his management style of the team. It's very different than Frank Reich. Uh, he is he's definitely more of a disciplinarian and those kinds of things. Uh, and and I think that's something that they're there's there's been a lot of discussion about, but I also think that coaching an NFL team is a hell of a lot more than that. It goes a lot further than that, right? And 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 being a disciplinarian and and those kinds of things, that isn't in and of itself 
going to win you games. And you could also, by the way, get somebody who, you know, theoretically is more experienced and and better at the job who also will bring you the kind of discipline that you are seeking too, right? I mean, it's not like he's the only guy capable of bringing um, a, a level of, of discipline or whatever whatever adjective you want to use. So, so I don't know. I, I think that's something that, that has been at the forefront, um, you know, in, in – in the mind of the owner and, and so forth. But again, Jeff Saturday is not the only guy who can bring that, in my opinion. Stephen Elder of ESPN.com. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. You were there earlier today. Um, how angry was Jeff Saturday about, obviously, the, the Thibodeau situation with the, the Snow Angels and the celebration when Nick Foles was lying there injured in pain like that, but more so with his own team, for not doing anything about it, not stepping up, not defending. Where was most of that anger? Where was it angled today from what you gather? Uh, you know, I, I really thought it was about equal. And, and that's a very interesting takeaway, you know, an observation. Because, look, I mean, the optics were terrible. And I, and I, I think the reason – someone asked me this. I think the reason he wasn't more – more strong or didn't um, express himself more strongly on the topic yesterday is because I, I think it's one of those things that um, when you go back and you look at it, it looks worse, you know, in hindsight and the optics. And then the moment he's probably just kind of worried about his quarterback and not thinking about Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, that being said, I, I think when you look at it after the fact, and I, I would say this is true for me too, looking at it after the fact, I was like, wow, that was so much worse than I realized. Um, because at the time I was just focused on Nick Foles rolling around like, you know, my first thought is, all right, is this guy okay? It looked terrible, right? So that's the first point. The second point as to uh, your question about the lack of reaction from his teammates um, or from his team, I should say, I, I thought Jeff Saturday was – I don't think he – I don't think he minced words there at all. You know, and I think, you know, he said, look, you know, we protect our own. And he thought he basically was taking it back to to the old days. And he said, you know, I've been here a long time. You know, I roll. Yeah. And that's his way of saying, you know, me and Tyre Glenn and company, we would have never stood for that. That's his I think that's what he's saying right there. He's like, I know what me and, and Tyre Glenn would have did, you know. And I think that's his way of saying we would have put somebody, you know, we, we would have took somebody out. You know, I think that's very clear what he's saying. Um, that did not happen. Um, and, and frankly, there might have been, you know, back in the day, you know, a previous generation, there might have been some, some cheap shots later on, you know, to, to make it known that they were upset. Maybe not even just then in that moment. They might was have was that Okereke shot? You think that Okereke shot was retaliation in mind or was that just in the moment of the play? Yeah, I, I didn't think about it at the time. It's a, it's a fair question. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I can't say that. I, I don't know that it was. Um, I think, but honestly, I think it needs to come from. It, it needs to come from that offensive line. If you're asking me, that's what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you let your linebacker hand, handle that. All right, I yeah. know you got to run here at about 15 after next Monday. Next Monday is lining up to be a, a day of interest, I'm assuming, correct? Certainly around yeah, here, but around the NFL in general, but around here too. Yeah, you know, it's it's all, obviously that's Black Monday, but it's it's a little different for us, right? They've already fired the coach. I guess for yeah. us it's 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 the question about okay, well what now? <laughs> so so Jeff's 
whatever I don't you know what his contract looks like or, or anything, but uh, you know, whatever um, his status is after that, I think he's up in the air. I mean, we know there's going to be a coaching search, so the question then becomes, you know, how serious is the coaching search going to be? Who are they talking to, et cetera? Um, but yeah, there's no shoe to drop necessarily next Monday, right? Um, Jeff's stint as the interim coach effectively is over. Um, and then the question becomes what happens then? Where do they turn, turn the page and where do they go? Um, but I, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, does Jeff Shadow come out there and talk on Monday and wrap up the season? And, and how, what shape does that take? Uh, when do we hear from Chris Ballard? Do we hear from the owner at some point? I don't know. And those are things we don't know. And I tell you what, we got a hell of a lot of questions to ask. That's for sure. All right, now you got to run here. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll see what happens coming off that regular season finale, which uh, Sam Ellinger will start. And apparently Matt Ryan will be the backup coming up on <laughs> on Sunday. So TV, this is, baby. Must see TV. <laughs> it has been a hell of a year. No doubt about that. Thank you, yeah. my friend. I appreciate you. Okay, man. Take care. Happy New Year. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Ah. Yeah, you heard that in the background. There was a potential game-tying score in that Winter Classic, which Boston just won at home in Fenway Park over the Pittsburgh Penguins. You heard that in the background of people watching the uh, mid Winter or the Winter Classic, if you will, at Fenway Park and the NHL. All right, we're live at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're in Columbus today. Thank you very much for joining us. Remember, I'm going to bail a little bit earlier than usual because we have Colts Roundtable live with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wrights coming up at the bottom. They go an hour until 6.30. And then you have Pacer pregame. Pacers and Raptors coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. You can hear that right here. All right. I always like to get somebody on from our Buffalo Wild Wings locations. I, I apologize here beforehand. We have not been introduced. What is your name? Who works here at Buffalo Wild Wings? My name is Chris Berkmeyer. Chris, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good. I, you know what? you got to spread the love about one of the best <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings locations in central Indiana. The one here on Jonathan Moore Pike here in Columbus, Indiana. Chris, what do you got to offer here? What do you got to offer tonight food-wise, game-wise, Rose Bowl? Got a lot of stuff happening. We have wings, wraps, sandwiches, crispies, tenders. We have really anything you want. What is everybody's favorite? What's everybody's go-to? The honey barbecue wings. Easy, right? Yeah. I think I asked this last week. Have you ever – you guys do any of these wing eating contests where you have to do the blazing or the hot Yeah, we have the blazing challenge. I think it's 10 blazing in 10 minutes with nothing to drink. Yeah. Now, do you have to have, like, a paramedic standing by right there? 10 10 in 10 minutes or – I'm just joking. No, you don't have that. But that seems like – can you do that? Uh, I can eat four, but that's too much. It's really hot. Yeah. Blazing. Now, do you have a lot of people that come in here and order blazing? We might have one or two a day, but that's really it. Yeah. What do these people do, man, blazing? What, um, it doesn't really have any flavor. It's really a lot of spice. So what um, is that the hottest? What is the yeah, hottest one the you hottest. have? Wasn't there one called something desert that's out there, too? Desert heat. Desert heat. It's a dry rub. Oh, a dry rub. Okay. So, yeah, that's not any sauce. But blazing, I remember back in the day when I used to go to the one in Bloomington all the time when you guys were you know, BW3 back in the day, for example, Chris, and they would have these blazing challenges all the time, and these dudes would be, like, dripping sweat at their plate trying to get this done. 
it was ridiculous to watch. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it is. All right, so uh, you've got that. You've got, uh, obviously, all the drinks over there in the bar. And uh, what are your hours? What are your hours during the week and then on a weekend here, Chris? I work four to close normally. Yep. Sunday through Friday. I'm off Saturdays. Well, good, because you got a lot to do around here. You're from Columbus? Yeah. A lot to do around here in Columbus on Saturday. You can have your Saturday night, right? Of course. Got it. Hey, buddy, thank you for joining us. That is Chris, Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus. If you're in and around Bartholomew County, in and around even, when you think about it, Nashville, not too far down to the west on State Road 46, Nashville, Indiana, in and around Brown County, yeah, come over here and check it out, too, and ask for Chris, who works apparently most days with the exception of Saturday, which is all good. Underway in the Rose Bowl, no score. Again, just underway in the first quarter. Number 11, Penn State at 10 and 2, and number 8, Utah at 10 and 3. That is your Rose Bowl going on right now. That is the game that is underway. Uh, Purdue, not good earlier today. And you kind of knew that that was coming, right? Uh, but Purdue gets uh, disposed of by LSU. That final 63 to seven. Uh, in honor of the late head coach, Mike Leach, number 22, Mississippi State, playing this game in his honor, 19-10 over Illinois out of the Big Ten a little bit earlier today. And man, the game of the day easily was this, number 16, Tulane. You talk about a cotton ball, everybody. 46-45, to 45, they beat Lincoln Riley and number 10, USC, Tulane 46, USC 45 earlier today in one of uh, the more exciting games, certainly, of the bowl season and, and certainly the most exciting game of the day today. There's no doubt about that. So I want to thank everybody here at Buffalo Wild Wings for having us, of course. And uh, I got to thank uh, Sianna and Zach for coming down here. We've got tickets to give away for that regular season Colts finale coming up in a little bit as well. And Devin, the onside engineer, and James back in the studio who uh, is doing a fantastic job as well. Quick reminder, this show on the road on Thursday it is Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots for the final time in the regular season. will be at Coach's Tavern downtown. So me and betting analyst Brent Halverson at Coach's Tavern, Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. That is coming at you from Coach's downtown on Thursday. And then, of course, on Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday is going to find us at Twin Peaks in Castleton. We'd love to see you up there. That is Twin Peaks in Castleton on a Bud Light Blue Friday that is coming up on Friday. Cannot wait to see you there. Back in studio coming up tomorrow. And hopefully good stuff to talk about if you missed it on Saturday. I know a lot of negativity surrounding the Colts, but one of the teams to watch, certainly in the NBA and certainly for you around here, in enjoyment has been that of the Pacers. And that matinee against Paul George and the Clippers was a fantastic game. Paul George goes for 45. Pacers win by a point. Miles goes for 30-plus. Tyrese Halliburton had an incredible fourth quarter. And the Pacers back at it in the fourth and final game of this homestand against the Toronto Raptors coming up later on this evening. And Pascal Siakam has been fantastic so far this year. That, again, is a 7 o'clock tip. 6.30, your coverage begins coming up later on this evening right here on The Fan. So we'll have plenty of coverage for you coming up uh, tomorrow regarding the Pacers and the Raptors tonight. The one that I'm going to be watching, I believe it's on Wednesday, too, 
that matchup the Pacers have with Joel Embiid and the 76ers. And now you got some uh, Pacer interest still there, too, like Dan Burke on the bench of Doc Rivers, of course, uh, utilizing his defensive philosophies and the man with two brains as a part of the organization there with Daryl Morey and Elton Brand and Pete Dinwiddie, Peter Dinwiddie, formerly of the Pacers, and certainly uh, a lot of people know him around here as a part of that organization as well in Philadelphia, and Joel Embiid has been outstanding. Seems like every single night he's going for 35 or 40, and there is, if anything, a fantastic test for Miles Turner because we've all known the outcome of any Embiid-Miles Turner matchup, at least most of the time in the history of their careers matching up with one another, has not gone well at all for Miles. So that's going to be one later on this week to watch. But tonight, it's already been a success, don't get me wrong, but man, how good would it feel if they were able to put away the Raptors later on this evening considering what we thought this four-game homestand was going to be. You know, starting with Atlanta, getting the Cavaliers, having Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on Saturday afternoon, and getting that win, and then Toronto coming up later on tonight. So the Pacers coming at you. That follows Colts Roundtable Live, which is coming up at the bottom of the hour right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Again, a shout-out to everybody here at Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus. It has been fantastic. I love this area. I do. I love in and around Brown County and Bartholomew County always. We would love to be back sometime. Back in studio tomorrow, more on the Colts situation, more on where they're going and the expectations. Inside the lounge via youtube live loungers a fantastic monday for you as well devin the engineer siana zach and james back at the studio thank you very much again pacers tonight tip at 7 6 30 pregame show and we got colts roundtable live coming up on the other side back in studio tomorrow thank you guys thank you for the shots as well Live from Buffalo Wild Wings in Columbus, it's been a great time. It's Colts Roundtable Live and host Matt Taylor. Coming at you next. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.